There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Happy October, everyone. It's less than three months until Christmas. Oh, my God. What will you be getting everyone for Christmas, Dad? Um, <clears throat> that's a good question. Uh, nothing. You were meant to say the book. Dad. Oh shit! Sorry. Yep. No, uh, we well, hey, yeah. Well, that's a no, that's that's a given. <laughs> it's a no-brainer. Yeah. Well, it's a given if you give it to people. Mm. Are you ready for the live show in Sydney next week? Dad? I'm beyond excited. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell in my voice? I cannot tell. No. It's fairly flat. That's okay. Yeah. Well, if you haven't grabbed tickets yet, head to Giant Dwarf uh, or to the Loose Units Facebook page. Giant Dwarf have added one final precious allocation of tickets for sale. We're really squeezing people in there and there's not many left. So get your tickets to see Loose Units live on stage in Sydney on the 11th of October while you can. This night is going to be wild. When I was a kid, my dad was a cop. You see, my dad was a cop in the 1980s in Sydney, which has been widely regarded as one of the most dangerous times to be a police officer in Australia. It was basically the Wild West. So I wrote a book about it. It was called Loose Units. And then we did a podcast about it. Loose Units Season 1 was an incredible experience, and we loved every minute of it. But it turns out that Dad did more than just patrol the streets. He plunged headfirst into the terrifying world of forensics. So on this season of Loose Units, that's what we're doing. We're going deep into the world of forensics and fingerprints and all of that good stuff. Well, I say good stuff. Actually, things got worse than ever. So strap in for Loose Units Season 2, Electric Blue. Hello and welcome to another episode of Loose Units Season 2, Electric Blue. Sitting across from me is my dad, John Verhoeven, ex-cop. I'm Paul Verhoeven. We hope you're doing well. Dad, how are you doing today? I'm... Absolutely fantastic. I love Melbourne. Yeah, you seem to really have and taken it's warmer. To it. It's seven degrees today, which is really good. Would you have ever um, become a cop in Melbourne? Uh, actually, when I got out of the... Um, it was a bit of a drama getting here today. They cancelled my flight. Uh, but that's cool. And uh, and I... You know, I, I, I'm here. Well, clearly. But it was fairly convoluted. And then when I got out of the train station and... Got it. Well, got another train up to the Parliament House. Mm. There was a massive demonstration on, which is pretty exciting. And I sort of, but that stopped the trams. Right. But then when I went around, there were the there was a highway patrol car from Melbourne. It was all black and it was a dirty, great big thumping BMW, and it was fucking horny. <laughs> now, you know, have I ever told you the story about your mother? Uh, worked in internal affairs. No. Are you allowed? Are you to? sure? Yeah, I'm. Pr- I'm pretty sure. Okay, well, this is a bit of a cracker. Hang on a sec. Is this is this a story you're allowed to tell? I don't give a. I couldn't give a rat's ass, mate. Really? Yep. But it's a good story. Okay. Well, just just to set things up for for listeners. Yep. 
Mum worked in internal affairs. Mm. Now, and, and a lot of that she, she cannot and never will talk about. Okay. And nor can I, but I can tell you on a side to her working in internal affairs. Yeah. Because they, they needed to, they just couldn't get people. Can you imagine who'd, who'd apply or who'd volunteer to work in internal affairs? Because everyone it? knows what internal affairs do. They investigate corrupt police. Okay. Now, she scored a job there. But as an incentive, I cannot believe you don't know this story. I don't know this story. And I really... Because I know that... I know Mum has, in her weaker moments, hinted that she might want to like talk on the record. But if you're teasing listeners... This is off the record and on the QT. Okay. Does but, that sound familiar? From a movie? Yeah, LA Confidential. Love it. Yeah. Okay. So, as an incentive... And this is like hyper weird. And I've, I've spoken about this to various police over the years. And they just sort of... Their jaws drop. Right. Because it's so... It's it's surreal, okay. what I'm about to tell you. Yeah. Okay. You know all these... Now, isn't it weird? I mentioned the highway patrol car. Now, I had no idea I was going to talk about this until, what, a minute ago. Yeah. But that highway patrol car, the black BMW on the on the, the streets of Melbourne an hour or two ago, and then we mentioned the highway patrol car now, and that mm. reminded me that uh, Christine... Uh, as an incentive to get them into internal affairs in Sydney, they would give them on a Friday afternoon. Now, this is going to sound like fucking la la land. They would give Christine or any of the other staff in internal affairs, because it was a fairly small unit, they'd give them an unmarked pursuit car to take home for the weekend. So Christine used to come home every Friday night with a pursuit car that was unmarked, but it still had a police radio. <laughs> And I'll tell you what, when you put your foot down in this thing, it was a beast. Do you remember what it was? It was... There were, there were two types. There was a 5.8-litre Falcon yeah. pursuit car, or there was a 5-litre Commodore pursuit car. So right. Holden and Ford. Um, and this, these 5.8-litre Falcons, they were, they were modified, they were lowered, they had massive oversized brakes... Low-profile tyres, uh, they were scary. Okay. So every Saturday morning, we used to plan little trips out of Sydney, and off we went. And the good thing about being in the police force, and this is going to sound incredibly hyper-irresponsible, and yeah, 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 I'm prepared to cop a little bit of flack, but I used to let my hair down, even though my hair was mega short. Yep. And we used to go, you know, go driving at generally fairly crazy speeds because if, if ever, this is the bit that's really sounds so bad um, in fact as an aside to this particular story I'll tell you and the listeners that again this is going to sound a bit weird and a bit bad but I'll, I'll say it for the record um, Christine was eight months pregnant with now let me think about it was with you really and we were going to Queensland to meet her in-laws that I, oh my God, don't even start me on that. But anyway, um, and we had a really, really nice Triumph, uh, not a Triumph stag, but it was a, uh, it was called the Triumph 2500 TC. It had a walnut dash. It was a sporty car. It easily did 100 miles an hour. And I'd been driving all night and the sun was coming up. That's the most dangerous time to be on the road. You sure you haven't heard this story? I'm pretty sure. Cool. This is the one about the bikey gang coming towards us? No. <laughs> no, I don't know this. I mean, I don't think I know this no, story. This is, this is so scary. I mean, if this has been on the podcast before, listeners... No. No, I don't think it has. No, I, but I can't believe that I haven't told you this story. It's right. so it's so scary. Um, you had to be there, obviously. Just quickly, are you, so you're driving interstate? You're heading towards Brisbane. In this Triumph. How, how long is that drive? Oh, it's a 
10 or 12 hour drive right, and so I was doing it in one hit. So I was off my face. Okay. I was delirious. Yep. And you're in your, what, early 20s at this point? Well, yeah. Christine was pregnant with you, so... Early 20s. 21. Yeah, I was 21. Jesus And I'm driving this amazing sports car. How did this not make it into the book? No idea. Oh, my God. All right. Anyway, go uh, the sun's coming up. There's a mist. It's all... That's a very dangerous time to be on the road. That's when a lot of people fall asleep at the wheel. Yeah. And I was starting to doze, and Christine was asleep, and I was starting to sort of veer, which is terrible. I should have pulled over, but I was very dogged and had to get to Brisbane. Mm. And then um, I started to sort of... You know, I was sort of blinking and, and nodding off. And then all of a sudden, uh, I came to, so to speak, in a microsecond. And I almost collided with about 40 members of the Gypsy Jokers. That's a major, the entire gang of full-blown bikies. <laughs> Jesus. And they actually had to veer around like a sort of a serpent going around. And I was doing probably in kilometres, probably at 140 kilometres an hour. Jesus. And um, then my sphincter just snapped shut. mm because then I had these terrible, terrible visions of us getting pulled over. And, well, I'm not going to tell you what I imagined that they do to both of us, yeah. but it was going to be pretty bad. And I remember putting the foot to the floor, sitting on, you know, cranked it up to maybe 160, and I was shitting myself. And boy, oh boy, did I wake up in a microsecond. And I'm looking in the rear vision mirror, expecting them to have turned around and chased us, but it never happened. Right. So that was sort of a, a, a terrible situation where it could have ended in misery. Did mum wake up? Uh, I don't know whether I ever told her. Like, <laughs> mum doesn't... Mom, I don't think... Yeah, mum, mum, mum might, might not be aware of that mum particular story. I don't tell mum everything. She doesn't listen to the podcast either. No, so. she doesn't. So um, so the reason I tell you that story is that, you know, I loved going really fast, but then coming back, and this is, the, this is a part of the story, as if all my listeners haven't already decided that, John, you're a bit of a fuckwit. I mean, you know, let's be fair. I mean, look, I did some things that... I, I was a an honourable and an honest police officer. But when it came to driving, I used to, you know, get a bit excited. And then coming back, uh, probably we'd been up there for a week and uh, still pregnant with you. And we're driving this beautiful sports car and we came through the town of Taree, which is north of Sydney. And it was about one in the morning and I just, I was delirious. I'd, I'd been on the road. You get into this sort of, this sort of a, a mesmerising sort of hypnotic state where mm. you just, and you're in the, in the, in the mood and everything's going great and, there's not a lot of traffic on the road, and I drove through Taree, and inadvertently I overtook the paddy wagon. And the paddy wagon—it was one in the morning. There was, so there was this old sergeant, you know, shitty old guy, and a young guy, and uh, and I was oblivious that I'd overtaken them, and I'd overtaken them at serious speed. Okay. Because you know, when you slow down in a country town, you've been doing, let's say, you've been doing 140, 150. This is back in the day, mm. and because uh, you've got a car that can do it, and you're in the police force, so you know that. Anyway, I'll come to that in a sec. So um, all of a sudden I looked in the rear vision mirror and I could see this uh, these blue lights and I realised that they were chasing someone. And sure enough, they were chasing me. Uh, they really had the shits. And I pulled over and the sergeant you know, got out of the paddy wagon and came up to me and he's, he's just completely going off and telling me what an what a idiot I am and can I... Can he have a look at my driver's license? Mm. And I just flashed him my uh, my police ID, and uh, I just said, "It's all it's all good. I'm in the job," which was code for "It's all good and thanks very much." And I'll be on my way. And he mm. just said, "Yeah, no worries. Cheers. Drive safely." So it was sort of look. It's it sounds terrible. In, if that happened today, you'd be arrested. Yes, of course. But back in when I was a police officer, if you flashed your badge, you um, well at least every time. It happened, and, and 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 vice versa. I mean, you'd pull over police, and 
you'd know they're in the job. You're not going to arrest them. Right. I mean, that's different now. Yeah. But back in the day, that was that was a no-go. You, you did not. And also, police badges in the New South Wales Police Force, you've got a light blue backing for constables. Yep. Then you've got a dark blue for sergeant. And then it's got greens and, and yellows and all the different coloured backings. So if you pulled over a guy in plain clothes at, you know, nine or ten at night and he had sort of green background, you know that he was perhaps a superintendent or something. You're not going to go, oh, look, you know, you're under arrest. Like, you wouldn't have a job or you'd be transferred to Broken Hill the next morning. Yeah. yeah. So I know, I, know, I know to the listeners that's all going to sound pretty pretty, no, I think pretty it, bad, but that's that was the time. So, okay. Um, what? Well, first of all, this is a forensic season. What colour is the backing for forensics? No, no, no. It's nothing to do with where you work. It's your oh, rank. Oh, right. So what was your rank when you were at forensics? Do you remember? Constable first class. Okay, cool. So to get one stripe in the New South Wales Police Force back then, it was five years to get your first hook. Yep. They, they call them hooks. Mm. It was nine years to get your second. I mean, now you've got police that are getting around with multiple um, stripes who've been in the job mm, two years. Yeah, so when, it's changed when, a fair bit. When I did Taekwondo when I was a kid, I always assumed it would take ages to get your black belt. This guy was like, it was like a TAFE course. He was churning them out in a mm-hmm. year. There were people like a year... There were people... There were pre-teens with black belts. I'm mm. like, you don't mm. know how to... All right, so we've been talking about you hooning around in motor vehicles. Do you have any forensic stuff that is uh, you know, motor vehicle related? Most definitely. Oh, great. Okay. All mm. right. Shall I just get into it? Well, yeah, please. I mean, Okay, so rolling. I've got a few, few little stories. The first one's a short story, but it's pretty amazing. And that is that there was a, a retired couple and they, um, you know, they're going to head north. They're going to do the, the great round Australia trip. In what, like an RV or something? Oh, no, no, no. They didn't have RVs back then. This is like a station didn't. wagon. Oh. The term RV wasn't even in the English dictum. Can I say dictum? Uh, I mean... Anyway. It's a, I mean, it's it wasn't a, in the language, to, okay. my, to my knowledge. Never. You didn't have like um, you know, trailers or Winnebago's? Or no, anything. no, they had trailers, okay. like little caravans. Right, okay. And, you know, you'd pull up in some spot and you'd un- unhitch it yep. from your car, from the tow ball, mm. and you'd... you'd yeah, you'd sort of run um, an electrical wire or not, oh shit, not an electrical wire, or, you know, a fucking extension cord. I mean, it sounds like Hicksville, but yeah, most caravan parks were. And uh, anyway, this couple say they're getting ready for the big trip and he's, he's hitched his um, little camp, uh, like a uh, like a caravan. Where is this? On the back of his car. No. <laughs> oh, shit. Fucking hell. Which, which well, geographically? Oh, where? Sydney. And they're heading north. Do you remember where specifically? No, it doesn't matter. They're just, they're just fucking off out of Sydney for a year or two. Okay. It's the big, it's the big to celebrate retirement. Let's go around Australia with a shitty old caravan. Do you find the idea of retirement quaint nowadays? I tried. I, I cannot. I, I, I could not retire. Okay. I just need to be, um, you know. Because we've talked about people I love who working. Are, I love it. Quite a few listeners have gotten in touch who um, have parents who are in the emergency services. That's which, unusual that they've got parents. Well, yeah. I mean, I know for I form was immaculately conceived. But um, at the live show, we had a few, like, people who, who are still in the force. You know, like, all yeah, the people yeah. who are still in the force. Yeah, yeah. But um, I guess... I mean, if you hadn't left the force, could you see yourself not retiring and staying in the force? Oh, look, I've got colleagues. Uh, oh, colleagues, fuck. I've got people that are still, that were, that when I was in the police force, when I joined in 8081, they're mm. still in the job. Right. And, and in incredibly senior positions. Okay. Like, mind-blowing. So, that, I mean, that's a case where you probably wouldn't want to retire. But these people, obviously, that you're talking about in this case had just had enough. Yep. They retired, yep. as, as was tradition at one point. Correct. Yep. And they're fanging it out of Sydney. Not fanging it. Fanging indicates speed. Ambling? Correct. Okay. And they're heading north. 
you know, we've been fa- there's a bit of brevity with this story so far, but it's about to go into the abyss. Because okay. what happens is it's night time yeah. and they're just cruising along. Now this story, uh, the readers are going to go, the readers, fuck. The <laughs> listeners are going to go, we don't believe you. Okay. But, you know, out of all the stories I've told so far, so there's the book, there's first season and there's this, we're halfway through getting towards the end of the second season. Yep. To my knowledge, we've only had one piece of feedback and that was about... Um, and I think I'd like to share it with the listeners where I spoke about the guy that was sodomizing uh, guinea pigs. Yes. Turns out a guy corrected us and he actually lived with or worked with an actual person that was investigating that and it turns out they were rabbits. Yeah, and not just that. We actually got some... I, I realise this is a tangent, but I think it's actually worth going on. So we got sent a link um, to an article in the Sydney Morning Herald from back in 2005. A man faced a Sydney court today charged with having sexual relations with a rabbit and the sadistic killing of 17 other rabbits whose carcasses were found dumped in a lane in the rocks. I'm not going to name the guy. I shouldn't name him, should no, I? No, don't. No. Uh, appeared briefly, blah, blah, blah. Mm, but, but, okay. He was, a, he was a finance company director and basically, so a, a listener got in touch yeah. uh, and she was actually uh, linked mm. to uh, one of the people investigating and she said that they just, like she was going into no, insane a, detail. I know, but the reason I mention that to the listeners is that the little story I'm about to tell now, mm-hmm. I mean, I do, I, I, I occasionally do a bit of a fact check. Sure. Uh, but all this stuff, like we didn't know I was going to be talking about this you know, this is just sort of it's, of it's it's heading into it. But the good thing about, and I've said it at the live performance, is that it's really, really easy to tell the truth. So I think I'm doing pretty well so far in that I've only been picked up on one minor detail, and that was I said guinea pig, and it turned out to be a rabbit. And as you pointed out, uh, and they're both me, small and furry. And you pointed out to me that we we owned guinea pigs at the time, we did. so you actually got got your wires. Crossed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. No, um, no, no, but but I like to because what I'm about to talk about now is going to sound actually. <laughs> It's, I think about it and go, no, it's not possible. But okay. let's roll with it. So this old couple. And they're, they're driving along and it's night time and they're on a deserted country road and all of a sudden the caravan becomes unhitched. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And it overtakes them. Wait, what? Yeah, their caravan became unhitched, and it overtook them. How how is that physically possible? Well, uh, you know, caravans. Fuck. No, how can the thing be towed by the? Th- Listen, it happened. It's not the twilight zone. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm not saying Captain I mean, Kirk staring at the wing of the plane and seeing a goblin pulling the plane apart. Uh, what I'm saying is, we talked about physics a couple of episodes ago. Mm, yeah. About if you're on top of a train and you jump in the air, yep. you're not going to stay still while the train passes under you Correct. because you're travelling the same speed. Yeah. Now, if you're towing a trailer behind you, it's travelling at the same speed Correct. as you. And then... Once it becomes unhitched, it then starts to slow down. Paul... So how is it going... No, no, because what happened was the couple in the car realised that something... Imagine you're looking in your rear vision mirror, which all good drivers do intermittently, and all of a sudden, you can see the van and then you can't see the van. Right. And in that microsecond, he then pulls over nice and safely to the left... And he watches his van overtake them because they're slowing down. It isn't, although technically it will eventually come to a halt. Uh And it vanishes into the distance. You ready for this? Yeah. They're waiting and watching their van vanish. All of a sudden, there's an explosion. Your eyes are like saucers. Are you ready for this? Uh Uh-huh. The guy then puts the car into gear and he drives looking for his caravan and it had exploded. (laughs) You ready for this? Yeah. You're laughing, aren't you? No, because a car with a young couple coming the other way see this caravan coming toward them on their side of the road and they drove into it. And when they drove into it and hit the gas cylinder, it exploded. And this poor elderly couple eventually come across their caravan and inside the caravan, perfectly inside the caravan, to within a millimetre, right actually as though it's a part of exactly the same shape, parked right inside the van, is an incinerated young couple. How fucked up's that? This poor elderly couple, not only did they have their van overtake them, fuck off into the distance, they then see it explode, they make their way to their caravan, but inside it, and I have seen the photos, and there's a couple inside, I think it was a falcon? Right. Inside the car. It was like a China doll. You know, are they, sorry, Russian Russian doll? doll, yeah, yeah. Dolls within dolls? This This was a car within... And it was incredible. Now, can you imagine trying to replicate that? You, could, you couldn't. Yeah. That, they're there. Imagine this young couple, they're just cruising along at night time, all of a sudden, and guess what? The caravan coming toward them, it doesn't have lights, does it? No. Because they don't. Oh, shit, of course. And they've just gone smack into this caravan, 
And it's like the caravan enveloped their entire car and exploded and incinerated and killed them. Now, that's a fucked up story. Did you have any idea that that's where that story was going? No, and I mean, as we've talked about on the show and in the live show before, I don't know the details of the cases. You like to kind of basically ambush me with them so that my reaction is as genuine as possible. I went from like bemusement at the physics of the thing to, I'm like, I feel a little bit sick now. Mm, So that's a pretty full-on story i've got another great not a great but i've got another really interesting at least yeah interesting i've got another would you like another sort of motor vehicle accident story yeah that's very much forensics because i was directly involved in this next story yeah great how 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 chunky is this story what do you mean chunky like is it a long one not super long okay would you do you want to save it or well i mean if it's if it's a big case i mean i would love to not a big case but it's pretty heavy you know Um, what let's let's do it okay cool all right so it was summertime and I was um, in forensics, mm-hmm. fingerprints to be more specific. And my area of um, responsibility was from the Harbour Bridge to uh, the Central Coast. It's a huge area. Okay. And I was called to the, uh, the morgue at Hornsby Hospital and the morgue was smaller than this studio. And for, the, for reference, this studio is about four metres by four, two metres. Four by two? Yeah, four by and, two. Yeah. Four by two? Which... Funnily enough, is also the size of a piece of timber, four inches by two inches. That's, but two that's, B, that's a two b four, right? To be fair, but um, um, just quickly, I didn't know that hospitals had uh, their own morgues. No, no, well, and I'm not sure whether they still do, but this particular uh, Hornsby Hospital, and it was it was like a, okay, it was like a really really tiny public toilet block that you'd find in a country town, right? Really really tiny, and it had uh, one slab, like a concrete slab in the middle. And on that, they had um, the bodies. Yeah. Now, in this particular case, they'd managed to put two bodies on on the slab. And the only thing I knew is that there'd been a motor vehicle accident in Ride. And um, I'll paint the picture of the of what happened at the accident first. Yeah, sure. Uh, there were two young, young brothers. Uh, they were in their late teens, early 20s. And they came from a very affluent suburb in Sydney. And... One of the brothers had a Lamborghini, which is um, a very, very fast motor vehicle. <clears throat> in fact, when I was a um, teenager, on the cover of one of the magazines, like the motoring magazines, they actually had a photograph, and I'll, I'll never forget it, of a Lamborghini and an F-111 fighter jet, and they were doing a drag over the quarter mile. Now, I'm not sure which one won, but just to have that type of car that can even go up against a fighter jet is yeah. pretty amazing. Yep. <clears throat> now, um, it was about nine in the morning, and there was a uh, a mother, and she just dropped her children off at uh, school, and she was driving a Subaru uh, station wagon. Yeah. And uh, she's just cruising along, and she uh, had dropped the kids off, thank God, heading home. On the other side of the road were the two brothers in this Lamborghini. And because it's a Lamborghini... I mean, a Lamborghini today is pretty exciting. People actually check it out. But can you imagine a Lamborghini in the early eighties? Right. It was like it was it was rare <clears throat> and very unusual. So what happened was they were at a red light, the two brothers. <coughs> excuse me. And um, and basically, um, they accelerated. And when he accelerated, foot flat to the floor. Now these Lamborghinis have got sort of wings and they're aerodynamically designed a bit like a plane and what happened was he clipped the median strip and the median strip is at a sort of a 45 degree angle and as the car hit the median strip it then sent it up in the air 
at 45 degrees. It actually was airborne, and everyone's watching it, and it travelled across the three lanes coming in the opposite direction, and it hit halfway up a telegraph pole. I mean, you thought the story about the caravan was pretty weird. Jesus. It's incredible. That's the power and the thrust of this motor car. Yeah. And it travels, so it's travelling over three lanes of traffic. It, um, It hit a telegraph pole, and the telegraph pole snapped in two. And then the car flipped over and came down and landed on top of this mother who was in a Subaru station wagon and the Lamborghini landed on the roof of the Subaru and then kept driving down, down, down. Okay. So, I'll just discuss her injuries to start with. Okay. Her head um, was driven into her um, abdomen. So... Imagine if you just press down on your head and it goes right down through the body into the lung area. Mm. So she was, she was, yeah, she was dead. And the two, the two brothers. Okay, I'll come to that in a sec. So I get the call to this morgue, a makeshift morgue, really, and um, there was an elderly gentleman outside, and he was the grandfather. Now. The, they wanted to identify these two brothers and um, the grandfather had been a doctor and he'd said that he could identify the boys. He said one of them had a birthmark um, and it was all very weird and they decided not to let the grandfather who'd been a doctor. They certainly wouldn't let the parents um, into this room. Is just, just, to, just to put this in context, is this because the remains were so badly ruined? Well, I'm coming to that. Okay, sorry. So... You know, it piqued my curiosity and uh, I went inside and I was confronted with two uh, bodies Mm. and weirdly, and this is really weird, this is like etched in my brain. Fuck, it's so heavy. Um, They had plastic bags over the tops of their bodies, like big black plastic bags that had been slid. So the bags came down to maybe their waists. Okay. And that was for the pair of them. And when I looked down at the two bodies, now my job was to fingerprint them. And um, I remember this particular case, it was particularly bad because I had to take out a lot of broken glass out of their fingers. So I was using tweezers because I couldn't ink their fingers until I'd got all the glass out of their uh, fingers. Mm -hmm. So that was quite a laborious task. And there was uh, an attendant standing there with me. As I said, they wouldn't allow the, the grandfather who'd come up to sort of help identify yeah. The boys, but no, they, they were fucked. So when I looked down at one of the boys, this isn't this weird? This happened to me 35 years ago, and it's as clear as I'm sitting here opposite you. He's one of the boys' femurs, that's the main bone between the knee and the hip. Yep. It had speared through his denim jeans. Now, if you get a knife and try and stab denim, it's really, really hard to yep. do. Yep. It's tough. But this bone had just snapped and gone through his the skin, major compound fracture, and it just come and it was sticking outside. It had gone right through the jeans. So I could see this bone sticking out. It was really bad. Anyway, I said to the... And I didn't have to do this, what I'm about to do, what I'm about to tell you, but I said to the uh, the attendant, I said, look, um, you know, you know, what's the story? And he, he tells me the whole thing. And, and I just said, look, do you mind if I take a, a look at the bodies? Uh, you know, underneath the plastic bags. Yeah. No, I didn't have to, mm. but... I'm working on these two brothers for maybe maybe 20 minutes and curiosity got the better of me. And I'll tell you what, fuck, I wish I'd never looked. You want me to tell you what I saw? 
Yeah. Okay. So the 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 attendant he removed um, the two plastic bags, and um, and the only thing left at the top of these guys there were no heads left. The only thing left were tongues. That's all I could see. Two tongues. How fucks that? So neck, everything, tongue. just a neck and tongue. Head obliterated. Mm, that's heavy, isn't it? Do you ever um, have flashbacks to this stuff? No. Why not? Why do you think you're? Because I only when I talk about it. Okay. Do you think no. talking about it helps or makes it worse? No, it doesn't make it worse. Okay. Because I know a lot of people have expressed concern for your well-being. Well, that's very sweet. But people that know me, um, and probably listeners feel that they know me, uh, and those people that meet me live, yeah, will figure that I think. Well, it's a bit weird saying this, but. I think I'm relatively unaffected. You are relatively unaffected. Mm. Yes. Because, you, um, you're very affected in other ways, but in this, yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, yeah. So that was pretty fucked up. Yeah. And then, of course, I had to go back to the houses because they weren't known. They weren't, you know, well, they, they weren't, weren't crims. They were on the record, yeah. So yeah. then you've got to go to the houses and dust all their personal effects, which listeners know that's what we used to do. It's pretty stressful. Yeah. Well, look... I can tell that you and I are a little bit shaky, so uh, we might leave it there for this week's episode of Loose Units, uh, the podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, don't forget, we are doing a live show, October the 11th, Giant Dwarf in Surrey Hills in Sydney. There are very few tickets left, if any, at this point, so run. Do not walk. Run across to the website, giantdwarf.com.au or to the Loose Units website and get tickets to see us doing live Loose Units and during the live show, Dad is going to tell a story which will not be aired on the podcast feed. It is off the record. It is only for people attending the live show. So don't miss out. And don't forget to get Loose Units. It's in bookstores. You can get it online. But the best place to get it, shh, total secret, is Booktopia. Go to Booktopia and get Loose Units right now. We'll see you next week for more Loose Units. Bye. <laughs>